When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 436 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton. As you probably noticed from the runtime of this episode, this is the special bonus episode to kick off the week that consists of the five headlines against Villarreal. The plan right now is to record a preview of the Manchester United match with a Red Devils expert. So by that time, this game against the Yellow Submarine may be in the rearview mirror, and obviously he didn't watch it, so I doubt we're going to talk about it. But unlike other Liga matches that maybe I could just breeze past, I did want to make sure people got my review from the game. The one thing that I will add that wasn't in the headlines before we get started is that I was awful surprised not to see Ancho in this game, to be honest. And to that end, I didn't really mention that Xavi waited a long, long time to make any subs. Those aren't in the five headlines, but something to talk about. Sergio Roberto was supposed to come on late, but the sub never happened and time expired. You did get Ferran Torres and Jordi Alba, who both did their jobs to close out the match, but I will say that not only is there concern that Ansu didn't get any minutes in this game, but even more concern that Xavi did employ his four midfielders for 70 plus minutes. Since it seems like Pablo Torre isn't going to be trusted as either of the high interior spots, I mainly am talking about getting Gabi some rest as that inside forward on the left, but since Torre isn't counted on in tight games, Xavi seems to be boxing himself into a corner when it comes to substitution patterns and not having a plan B in case one of those midfielders go down. With Busquets healthy, Kessie obviously is that plan B or that sub or whatever you want to say. He is the option if one of Gabi or Pedri or De Jong or Busquets has an issue. I think the other thing too, not to 
contradict what I'm about to say about Kessie and the five headlines, but one of those midfielders being Kessie, if it doesn't work out against Manchester United like it did against Villarreal, where does Xavi go from there? I think the answer is obvious, what he did with Kessie when he came out. That's put someone, even Jordi Alba, on the left wing in a 4-3-3. But when you're talking about Jordi Alba potentially being the break class case for emergency answer to Manchester United, well, yeah, now we get into worrisome situations. It's not all negative, though. The five headlines are largely positive. So as my level-headed podcast listeners here, and no disrespect to those of you that might also be in YouTube blowing up my comments over there, I did feel it a bit necessary to sprinkle in a little negativity at the start. Again, those five headlines are predominantly positive. Okay, and last kind of things before the headlines, just to update you on what we're working on, because we won't be talking about the podcast and the health of all that this coming week. But I want to give a big shout out to my editor, Anise, for helping get the TikTok started for the new year. You might have noticed January 1st when I kind of started announcing that stuff and bothering about that. But in that time, since January 1st, we're already up past 8,000 followers at time of recording. So while I don't really use the app myself, and I totally understand if those of you who are like me don't want to make an account, if you are on TikTok, which I know there are some of you, do give us a follow and help us get to 10,000. That's greatly appreciated, of course. Numbers are numbers, but as you know, metrics kind of help me talk to, say, sponsors and advertisers and things like that. So numbers, as much as I know that they don't matter and doesn't affect the content I make, it does matter for my ability to continue making shows as patrons have to always hear from me through the years about making more shows and how this all works. So the other thing to note is that Barca Blog does still exist, by the way, the thing created by Frances Tomas all the way back in 2010 with ideas sprinkled in on Facebook all the way back to 2007-ish with Facebook. So yes, Barca Blog still does exist and it will actually be going a positive facelift sometime in the next month, which I'll announce when that does come to light. And I have to admit, I don't know how well I'll keep up with some of my outside work picking up this weekend, but I have been writing a bit more over on Barca Blog, and I've got some help writing there as well. So there is some content that you do not hear on the podcast or even on YouTube that's a bit quicker just to put on the website. A few other things. If you're new here, I always want to remind you to check out the YouTube channel and subscribe so you can see things like the Manchester United video preview that'll be out on Wednesday to pair nicely with the podcast the day before. And lastly, if you're still new here, a reminder that in the world of FC Barcelona, there are these things called Peñas, the community groups that just about every major city, some officially tied to the club and some not yet officially tied to the club. But if you're looking for an awesome group of people to watch a game with, I suggest going to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and typing in some combination of Peña, Barcelona, and your nearest city and see if you can find them. Actually, maybe just go to Google or Bing, whatever you use, check it out there. And again, if there is somebody in the nearest city, even a small group of five to 10 people, I've learned over my time hosting this show that there seems to be Barcelona fans everywhere. You just have to look for them. And I have gotten to talk to so many of the different Peñas, like the official groups over the years, from all over the world. And I have never once met a Peña board member that wasn't super passionate about the Barcelona community and super welcoming to new people. And if you are in New York, since I'm usually cooped up here in the office making all this nice content, I usually don't have time to hang out with my local group in New York City. But the good news is that because of that, we know that there is definitely enough room for another warm body at Smithfield Hall in Manhattan. So again, if you're in the New York, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey area, well, actually, if you're in New Jersey, head over, there is a New Jersey Pena. So I'm not taking anybody away from there. New Jersey, head to New Jersey Pena. New York, well, Manhattan is your place to be. All right, so that's enough with that. From here on out this week, you'll pretty much be hearing nothing but Villarreal review, Manchester United preview, Man U review, and all that jazz. And because we did everything already for the outro, the show notes will help with anything I miss. So this is going to be it. That's all you're going to hear from me, as in this version of me, <laughs> who's not doing five headlines. So thanks so much for listening, as always, and enjoy the five headlines. Maybe Barcelona are getting good at this one nothing win thing. 
This is their seventh win by a one goal margin in 2023. That's out of 11 games. And I know that football isn't about deserving, and I use other words like suffering. But I felt like Barcelona, once again, have earned and deserved the victory tonight against Villarreal. Because even against Villarreal, a team that has beaten Barcelona just one of their last 27 matches, dating back to a three-game winning streak in 2007 and 2008. But history says that Villarreal are tough, and Barcelona do get the win. And I felt like that's exactly what we just watched. So let's get into it. The five headlines from Barcelona's 1-0 win over Villarreal. Headline one is total football or total confusion. I got the lineup wrong heading into this game. I thought because he had done well the first time against Villarreal that we would see some Ansu Fati. On top of that, it was Xavi's comments in the press that made me think that there might be a little bit of rotation. But the other argument was the one I think that Xavi went with. And this was certainly a trial run for what we might see against Manchester United. But there might be a little bit of a tweak because Frank Kessier today played as a double pivot, something we have not yet seen for him at FC Barcelona. And he did it on the left in what has been Frankie de Jong's normal position, with de Jong being the one to slide over to that pivot spot that Busquets has been occupying. We will talk about Kessie in a second, but as far as the function and how this game worked, we're also going to get to Pedri, of course, but de Jong is the next guy that needs to be spoken about after Pedri. This whole game felt like de Jong was dictated by de Jong. His anticipation was so important, it led to interceptions and recoveries in the opponent's half, and it was key for Barcelona to establish how they would dictate this game, added some chaos and confusion to the match. It was interesting because de Jong moving over to the right meant less positional freedom for him to push forward, and he couldn't drop in between the left center back and the left back, which is what he usually does for build-up, and it also meant that passing on his right meant fewer angles to pass forward, but he did make the most of it. He did show that he could still find that space with a huge run forward near the end of the first half, but it doesn't lead to much. But the four midfielders tonight for Barcelona weren't just about the Man U game. It fit this game. With the four midfielders, there was a better counterpress, which coincided with more overloads in central positions. It caused a lot of problems for Villarreal, which is a team that usually is pretty good in the buildup and strong with their positional attacks. And the only way that Villarreal could get through Barcelona was either kill them on the wings, on the counter, or don't lose the ball. Two things that they didn't necessarily do in that first half, or at least for the first 70 minutes of the game. Villarreal only had one attack through the middle of the field for the entire night. They did not have a plan B for what Barcelona put out. And Kessier was a huge part of this too. He finally positionally looked comfortable for the first time since the preseason. There was a moment in that first half where Kessier stood in at left back for Balde for about a two minute stretch there and he didn't look out of place. There was a ton of inverting. When De Jong would go out wide, Koundé would come inside. When Kessier would go out wide, Balde would come inside. Barca's work without the ball was phenomenal tonight. That inverting was very much on purpose. They inverted the fullbacks inside to win the ball and keep control of the game by staying in the opponent's half as much as possible. That was the key to success tonight, was to overload Villarreal, especially in the first half. So they just didn't have the legs in the second half. Hopefully, I guess. Barcelona was also anticipating a second goal. And while he wasn't scoring that second goal, Lewandowski getting wide and helping with the build-up play was also very instructive to the way that Barcelona were creating their numerical advantages against Villarreal. So while at times it did look like Xavi was matching Setien's positional insanity, in fact, Villarreal were playing right into Xavi's game plan in that first half. It's the one that he laid out. Two is dress rehearsal. Kules do know Kike Setien, speaking of. And you did see the fingerprints of that Barcelona style that he seemed to have. You lose the match, but you do win possession, and you do add some chaos to the game. Villarreal had more possession, 54 to 46%, and Barcelona were outpassed by almost 50 passes in this game, surprisingly enough but it doesn't mean the Barca were the worst team. And this is also the point where you give some credit to Villarreal, that they were a good test for Barcelona. 
They played in a 4-4-2. Some really young players, exciting players, Jeremy Pino, Alex Benia. Even without Gerard Moreno, Jose Morales has always given Barcelona trouble back to his Levante days and is the opposite of a young player. And he had his chance at the end of the first half when Pedri made a rare mistake, but Villarreal, very much like in the second, just couldn't capitalize. And while I don't think this was really a good dress rehearsal or dress run for Manchester United, a team that does play in a 4-2-3-1 that is pretty fluid, Manchester United are also a team that have not lost since November 6th, so to say that their form is just a bit better than Villarreal's might be an understatement. Where there is a comparison, though, that I think is a bit fair, is that Villarreal is a team that can thrive in chaos, much like Man U. A nasty challenge may stop play, but both teams have the ability to create something with their quality moments later. So they can play in the mud, they can make it ugly, and they can still strike. And on a different note, but working with that same dress rehearsal headline, Juan Foyth has been much better in other games than this one, and this one could really bias people in a negative way. If Foyth and Pavard are the favorites over Arnaud Martinez, I don't really get it. I like Foyth and take him over Pavard, but again, I'll reiterate that I think it's Foyth just because Arnaud is out of Barca's price range and Atletico Madrid are going in big on him and have pretty much already locked in that signature. Right back has been an issue for Atletico Madrid since Juan Fran aged out and left in 2019. And even before that, as he slowed down, right back was a concern. But if Villarreal are asking 30 to 35 million for Foyth, which may be the case, was that player that you watched today worth that number? I'm not so sure about that. Unfortunately, though, the fullback market, as I always say, is a bit of a wasteland. More reason probably why the club has renewed the insurance policies of Roberto and Alonso as break glass in case for emergency plans. Three is wonderful goal. Yeah, it was a rough game for Lewandowski from start to finish. He was able to get that patented La Liga goal where even though he doesn't play his best, he still gets one to put the game away. But this game hung in the balance because Lewandowski didn't bring his best. It was all kind of summed up in the first five minutes. That big heavy touch by Lewandowski on Pedri's through ball. Pepe Rene coming off his line and closing down the space after his heavy touch, that being Lewandowski's. Maybe offside too, but it did kind of serve as a precursor for things to come. There is an argument though that Lewandowski, as is his class, does find at least one moment every game to kind of make up for it. And he did that with the assist on Pedri's goal. But the credit doesn't just go to Lewandowski. Kunde, as I had mentioned earlier, inverting, coming inside to win the ball. Then it goes Gabi, De Jong, Rafinha, Lewandowski, all one touch to Pedri. You can't draw it up much better. And it wasn't just a goal because, of course, four goals and seven appearances for Pedri. You know, I, I shout out to the Facebook group for calling this out because I did get a ton of criticism when I had mentioned in the preseason and at the end of last season that while Pedri was excellent last year and excellent heading into this year, we expected he was going to be one of Barcelona's most important players. I have to remember back, but I have you to Lewandowski or Pedri as my Barcelona MVP for this season as my preseason projection. And now that he is scoring goals, he has an even bigger argument to take that crown from Lewandowski. And for those who criticize me that he couldn't score goals, well, now that he is, you see how much more complete of a midfielder he is. And now that he is scoring goals, I do push back a little bit. You argued with me that, oh, he did everything he needed to do, but he didn't. Now that he is scoring goals, look at how much more dangerous not just Pedri is, but Barcelona as a whole is. They are winning games because he is getting into clinical positions and completely understands his position on the field. There are moments when he's dropping deep to build up and dictate play, when Kessier would push forward. And then there are moments when he's getting in the box and he's the farthest one forward playing as basically a false nine. He did everything in this game. And because Setien decided to play in what was positional chaos at times, the counterbalance to that that Xavi had was the free role that Pedri played. You needed him on the left to close down space on the press. He was there. Again, building up on the right or helping out on the right for Koundé when Koundé would invert. Pedri was there, pushing forward when the numbers allowed to create a 3-2-5 in build-up. Pedri was there, allowing Pedri to make his decisions on his own and again, having Xavi give him the green light to make all those choices. It's what I go back to that makes a quality Barcelona midfielder and what makes a midfielder for Barcelona great. 
It isn't the skill. It isn't the tiki-taka, the pausa, whatever you want to say. It's their decision-making. And Pedri has superior decision-making under Xavi in the role that he's been given, regardless of where he is on the field. And if Pedri keeps playing the way he did today, and De Jong also replicates that form against Manchester United, Barcelona will have the better midfield going into that matchup. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Four is on the back of Araujo. My third man of the match, if you will. As I said, it was Pedri, De Jong, and Araujo. Maybe De Jong and Araujo kind of the same thing. But of course, Barcelona don't come out with a 1-0 win if not for Ron Araujo. And for Araujo, we just have to start with a little bit of bad news, or maybe kind of good news. After picking up a yellow, Araujo will miss the next match against Cadiz, but I don't think he cared too much 
And that might hurt Barcelona in that match, honestly, but for him to serve some kind of yellow suspension, maybe it's best to do it against Cadiz. Either way, against Villarreal, he was immense at the back. Alongside the cool head of Christensen and the skill and speed of Koundé, Barcelona continued to rack up the clean sheets, especially with Ter Stegen being big whenever called upon. But this one, as much as I've given plaudits to Christensen, I-, I thought he was actually a bit too rash, a bit too many fouls from him over the back. And then Koundé positionally caught out, I think, inverting as a fullback. It worked sometimes, it didn't to others in the second half when the chaos on the wings for Villarreal kind of opened up. And Koundé should have been stuck on the wing, but he didn't. He kept coming inside, and that did put Barcelona under a little bit of pressure at times. But Araujo, of the three of them, he was the man today. It wasn't necessarily just a trio. Araujo was the guy standing above all the rest. Just a single moment as well, making up for others' mistakes. Tremendous goal-saving tackle in the 60th minute. Got another one on Jeremy Pino in the 82nd. Then the step late for the offside on the goal that Chiquezzi scored. Araujo was on his game, superior in this match. And I'm hoping that without him, that Barcelona are still able to find a way to suffer. Because you can't have Araujo play 90 minutes every single time. But again, ask Pedri, ask Gabi, and... Young when Busquets is out, well, maybe that's going to happen for everybody. And headline five is Xavi's lead. I gave credit to Pedri and De Young and Durajo, and there are others who deserve some credit too. Balde was really good. I said, I maybe seem like I'm criticizing them, but Christensen and Kunde, that's a clean sheet. I don't care what anybody says. Gabi was also really important in this game positionally. Rafinha, not his best, but also not his worst. I think the way that this game was going, Rafinha, very much Lewandowski, could have been more clinical, could have put the game away, but his defensive pressure did not in any way hurt Barcelona and the way that they kept it clean sheet. But the man I have to give, I think, maybe the most credit to today is, of course, Xavi himself. He gets criticized for bad decisions, and he gets criticized when Barca aren't good enough, but I thought he held off a feisty yellow submarine with a great plan. He was prepared for the Tequesi sub and the chaos that that would create, and he had his wrinkle of putting Kessie in the double pivot on the left with some license get forward, the position he regularly played at AC Milan and is most comfortable. If anything, it was the players, again looking at you Lewandowski, that let him down with some poor passing and worse finishing. The one time it did work, that being Barcelona's passing and finishing, they went up 1-0. Even the defensive mistakes today seem more individual than systemic, which does fall on the player more than it does Xavi. There was a heavy touch there, too much on a pass here, and those are things that Xavi can take that iPad and talk to the player individually and say, hey, this is what happened here, let's not do that again, we fix that, we don't have to blow up the whole system. And the big picture too is that Barcelona survive again, once more, three points. In the Liga, that's continuing to be all that truly matters. This is a team at the top of their game that can beat Manchester United, that can do well in the Europa League or the Copa del Rey against Real Madrid, whoever it may be. Barcelona at their peak can do that. In the Liga, it's a little bit of a different mindset. You just have to suffer and get enough points. And this win, while Real Madrid does have Elche, so not saying those are three guaranteed points, but Elche would have to play their best game of the season to get anything away from Real Madrid, still, Real Madrid, for the rest of this season, have a bit of pressure on them because at this moment, they're down by 11 points with that game in hand. There were nervy moments, but because Barcelona had done that, that being a one-goal margin of a win, six other times in 2023, there still also felt something a little bit comfortable about it. But that will all be put to the test on Thursday night against Manchester United. For what is going to be the biggest clash for Barcelona, you could say El Clasico Spanish Super Cup, and prior to that, the argument may be Atletico Madrid, sure, but we're going to go all the way back to the Champions League. European football is European football. Unlike every other one-goal win in 2023, if you defend like that against Manchester United that we saw today, they're going to get at least one or two past you. And Manchester United are also a bit more difficult to break down as well. But we're going to do all that on the podcast this week. Plus, there's going to be a match preview. I don't do too many of those, but it is Europe, so you're going to see a match preview. Make sure you don't miss any of that. And as always, until next time, Forza Barca.